Punk Rock Elite, a podcast about no effects. This is another episode of Punk Rock Elite. This is our second episode where we're getting to know our uh, my co-host, uh, Eddie French. Eddie, hello to you. Hello, Red. You're right. I'm very well, thank you. How's your week been? Oh, it's been. It's been. <laughs> it's been. I've been looking forward to this chat, to be honest, um, because uh, we were supposed to do it at a different time, and then uh, time got away from us. So, yeah. But no, happy about it. It did. But we are here now, and we're going mm-hmm. to learn all about Mr. Eddie French, who mm-hmm. I believe you're based Leeds Way, not Leeds. Um, yes, I'm. Um, yes. Yeah. I've got a Leeds postcode, yeah. Oh, that's exciting <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah, I know, I know. Excellent. Very proud of it. Wear it on my neck. <laughs> uh, I'm based Reckon. here in Sheffield currently. I've just mm. moved here. Um, how how are you finding Yorkshire? Are you, are you, are you a fan of, of, of the Yorkshire? Yeah, no, I've always, I've always liked Yorkshire. I've, I've, I moved here when I was nine, so I've lived here... Mm. Apart from a brief stint in Madrid, so uh, so yeah, no, I I love Yorkshire. It's uh, it's a great place to be. We're we're both uh, like secret southerners, really, because I, I was born mm. down south and then I moved up yep. north when I was like ten or something. Um, same, yep. And, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, born, yeah born, same for you. So we're born like, in Brighton. So yeah, we're like stealth poshos. Well, but what's good is that I um I still have a southern accent, but I use Yorkshire dialect words, so uh, it just. <laughs> Baffles everyone. So, you know, I won't be there long while 10. While 10? Do you mean until 10? No, I mean while 10. It's the same thing. Yep. So, so yeah. Excellent. Well, obviously, yep. we're here to talk about no effects. This is what the podcast yes. is about. If you're mm-hmm. unaware of no effects, why are you listening? Um, <laughs> but we're going to learn about Eddie's relationship with no effects, everything that they love about them. Uh, let's start with uh, what is your favourite No Effects song? A favourite No Effects song. We're starting with the questions. Oh wow, that's cool. Um, uh, favourite No Effects song. Hard because I sort of want to disqualify the decline because sure. it's such a, a unique thing within their oeuvre. Do I mean, punk it, bands have oeuvres? They it, probably do. It's five songs. It's oh, at least yeah, um, and it's and it's great, and I absolutely love it, and and I think lyrically it's some of the the best work. The you know the the music's all great. It it does everything that you want no effects to do, mm-hmm. um, but they take eight. And I'm trying to think, do they have a song where they can do that in two and a half minutes? And I'm not sure um, because it's because you've got because <laughs> you, you've got the sort of the jaunty bit. In the middle, you've got sort of the slow bit. You've got the the build up. You've got the um, you've got the the brass. You've got puns. You've got um, all the sort of like the checklist of the of the sort of the platonic ideal of no effects. Um, but I suppose sort of early on, uh, Laurie Myers, I adore from uh, Punk and Drublick. Um, sure, partly. Partly because uh, Kim Shattuck, I think that's how you pronounce her name, uh, but sadly gone now uh, from the Muffs. Her vo- vocals on it are amazing. Um, gosh, all sorts. Um, uh, I'm telling Tim from uh, Yeah, uh, So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes. There's just something, it's just very, it, it's sort of very urgent. I don't know, it's so difficult. I think... Today, probably Laurie Myers. Fair enough. Good choice. 
don't ask me every week because that'll be boring. <laughs> but um, but yeah, Laurie Myers, I think. Well, before we get into like the bulk of the other questions, I think our listeners would love to know like more about yourself. Um, so Eddie, you're, 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 you're a comedian, you're a writer, a podcaster, an improviser. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start performing, uh, comedy? Started performing comedy, um, at the beginning of 2010. Mm. Yes. Um, a terrifyingly long time ago when the world was young and new and blinking into the bright sunshine of the early morning. Um, <laughs> I'd been... Yeah. Oh, it was pre TikTok. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think the world was only just allowed to all have Facebook at that time. It was, you know, before, you know, it was, it was fairly near. My space was still happening to a certain degree, but um, uh, basically, yeah, I'd, I'd done, I'd been interested in showing off since I was young and I sort of did a bit of um, sort of youth theater um when I was very little and then when I was about 12 a guy my dad was in a covers band like a a wedding band Mm -hmm. and the singer and guitarist from that band had a son same age as me we went to the same primary school and Owen started a band that was his name um he knew that I had access to a bass guitar and amplifier and I lived around the corner and went I'm going to ask the weird kid (laughs) to join in and they just never found another bass player so I was in a band uh, called Inertia Crisis for uh, from the age of like that's quite I was briefly in a band called Inertia when I was 16 oh wow we did one (laughs) we did one gig Oh wow, we did we did more than one. We did quite a few, and then uh, oh, hey, I was in other bands, and Inertia sure. was, a, was one yeah. of the lesser ones. But still. oh, Stepping Stone, of course. <laughs> yeah, no, we all we. I was going to say we all have those. I didn't really because uh, we did that for five or six years until the drummer Will and I went to university. We went to different schools, so we didn't know that we'd applied for the same university course at the same university <laughs> separately, um, and then saw each other at the open day, and we're like what what is mm? um so uh and then uh owen stayed in york and um ended up being in the recently reformed color of fire for any placebo <laughs> fans out there who um might have uh watched placebo in the noughties uh, as a chance you'd have seen color of fire supporting them as they were label mates um and so um and it was through that that sort of i got into sort of music and stuff i'd always liked the and I think that's partly why uh, No Effects appealed when I heard them because I one of the first things I heard of theirs was I heard they suck live, and the amount of Great, yeah. stage chat in that and the joking and the mucking around. Um, because and, and that's their you, their live album. That's their first live album. The first live album they did, yes, which was, um, I'm not sure if it was before or after Punk and Droblet because I, I don't recall there being any punk and droblic songs on there but i could be wrong it was definitely before um what's this is it they've they've actually gotten worse live <laughs> yes the yes second. they've actually gotten worse live um <laughs> which i i think is a, a great joke but really just not true um <laughs> it's uh it's sort of it's i mean that's that's the self-deprecation in it but um they, they've not gotten worse live they're uh you know i've i've only ever seen them better and better but that's you know 
practice i guess but um yeah so i and so i was like oh wow you can be in a band and be funny that's exciting and then um and then i uh didn't know what to do i went through all sorts of i tried to i was in a uh a non-functioning double act mm-hmm. after university uh, me and my friend gav um we were the last men in europe we did a um a radio show uh like a radio sketch show for gav's final uh dissertation piece he did radio production at university that's where i met him and then we did um two live shows um uh just once <laughs> each um one of which was actually quite good because we'd seen um we did our first one um at the sort of beginning of august one year then we went to the fringe for a week to just to watch and we saw a group called the trap and we it was that thing where um it's it's that thing where people sort of went oh yeah i walked out of that sex pistols gig in 60 in 76 <laughs> and cut all my hair off and and we basically sort of did that but just through all our our um ting-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling good morning sir hello i'd like to buy something improbable well we are an improbable shop so here buy this thing oh that's very funny all those sketches and threw them in the bin because the trap were remarkable and um you know that kind of thing so and then we did one other show which was basically um a spare show for the trap in case they were ever caught short and then um gav went i'm too old for this you you go and do it so then i moved to spain and um taught english there for a few years um and was a tour guide and after doing tour guiding where you talk to people for four hours just trying to be interesting i thought i can be funny for five minutes so i when i came back to the uk i finally started doing comedy and then um got shanghaied into an improv group as well and i believe while you were out in spain you uh met someone who is you know related to punk rock royalty i did yes i met my friend celeste who is the daughter of polystyrene we were both teachers for the same company well very good i nearly nearly skipped that i've nearly i I nearly had to give up my elite status then i'm like no actually (laughs) i have spoken to yeah she's in um i don't know if they're still going but there was a she was in a, a couple of bands out there sort of um punkier edged scar kind of thing with her husband there was um debutante disco and then i think they changed their name to celeste dos santos and the tabloid queens um Cute. and uh, yeah yeah um but they were very good I, I remember enjoying them i actually saw no effects when i was in madrid oh really they played yeah yeah they were playing i can't remember the name of the venue it was slightly outside the center um but it was sort of it was like a, a very small arena or a very large theater indoor and they had the loved ones and tat in support and they played the decline there because uh, tatiana from tat played guitar uh, at the end and they have the uh, they have someone come out to play uh, hefe's guitar while he's playing the trombone at the end of it and da 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 that bit okay great um well uh, we spoke about your favourite NoFX song. Let's uh, let's make that question a little bit bigger. What, what, what's your favourite NoFX album? <sighs> that has swung around a little bit, but I always come back to So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes. 
Mm. I think so it was. was would it have been a difficult decision then for you? Because obviously the final NoFX UK shows have been announced. They have two dates. Mm. One of them, which we're going to in Leeds, yes. they're playing Punk in Drublick and uh, Wolf in Wolves Clothing. Yes. And then further down south, they're doing another date where they're doing So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes. And what's the second? Is it Warren? Uh, White Trash. Or? Oh, okay. I think it's White Trash, yeah. Well, it was hard, but it's in Hatfield or something like that. And it's yeah. it's a long way and I can't logistically or financially, pardon me, rationalise it. It is a shame. I've seen them do pretty much most of the the standout tracks that I really like from those at various times that I've seen them. Also, I'm comforting myself with the idea that there are songs that they kind of always play, irrespective of whether they're doing a full album or not, because it's unlikely they're going to do these last shows without playing, for example, Bob. Because it takes a minute and a half and people will do their nut if they don't hear Bob. Um, So things like maybe Eat the Meek, they may well play sides mm-hmm. uh, thing um when they if they're doing those um you know 12 songs in six minutes and you know their little mini marathon ones telling tim shows up in there quite a lot or monosyllabic girl or any of those kind of things yeah but um i didn't want to i try not to hang up too much stuff on need to need to you know bucket list things i find less rewarding than most people i think i find them more anxiety inducing (laughs) so um i'm not too fussed about what they play i'm just happy to see them again before they go and you know try and work on that level of gratitude rather than you know because it it did hurt i did think what what had temple newsome done to you that you wouldn't play my favorite one (laughs) and they weren't to know that's (laughs) that's not their fault but yeah no the the reason i think the reason i love um um so long is partly that it's one of their sort of it's one of their fastest ones it's it's sort of continually fast it's it's a hardcore album it's also i think the first time i sort of really had heard something that different to other stuff it was because i because we um yeah i would have been very young or very very young youngish maybe 12 or something like that and 12, well no 13 14 and because of the when i was you know because of my age sort of indie and Britpop was the prevailing sound when mm-hmm. i was a teenager so you know i was i was 11 when kurt cobain died and that same year was also when oasis released their first album when blur released one of their important albums i forget mm-hmm. which one but you know that that was the the whole thing and and sort of navel gazy grungy stuff you know all this sort of internal angst and stuff it's sort of been swept away and we had sort of 
rock stars again people who liked being in people who appeared to like being in bands people who were sort of enjoying <laughs> strutting about swagger you know liam gallagher and all of these kind of people and whatever you think about them they were those types were rock stars in the, yeah. they weren't they were wearing you know footy shirts and stuff like that but they were still swaggering around enjoying themselves wanting to be seen to be in the limos and the bags of coke and all that stuff instead of you know Kurt Cobain wore cardigans <laughs> you know is 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 a big big switch so had I been five years older I might have found all of that incredibly distasteful and oh they don't understand oh honestly oh that, that guitar looks new Ugh, you know <laughs> that kind of thing so um and so hearing something, and so a lot of the music at that time was very mid-tempo. Yeah. And, you know, you might have, you know, Radiohead do a fast bit, but because of art rather than because of it being exciting and all of this stuff. And it was sort of left me a little bit cold. And then I heard this, and these songs, they were so short, but they didn't need to be any longer because they weren't putting in big intros or you know, doubling choruses and stuff. They were just going, this is what needs to be said in this song, so we're doing it. And that was exciting. I think So Long's really interesting because it's not, I, I would say it's far from their most, like, ferocious album. Um, but I, I actually think it's it's shows a lot of, like, uh, consideration and thoughtfulness when, when compared to other music of the time, mm. uh, and particularly other punk music of the time. Um well, absolutely. Well, I think they were they were over thirty by that point as well, mm, right? Yeah, and, and I think that does make a difference. And and I think I think it was a very very quick album because I remember reading the liner notes. I've read the liner notes to every CD I've ever owned. Um, something I miss about the digital age, and that was also how you yeah. found out about other bands because you'd be looking through it and you're going, "Well, they're thanking this band called Lag Wagon." <laughs> I mean, I, I can't see them going doing very much, but all right, then I'll 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 um, keep an eye out for them and stuff like that. And so, because in in all of those sort of fat wreck and epitaph and and just punk, like, you know, everyone they'd ever toured with, borrowed a cigarette from, said hello to, would end up in the liner notes, and it was just this trove of of sound you have to go and seek out and stuff like that. So you got all of that, and um, in it, I think they said that all the vocals were done in like one take apart from maybe Eat the Meek, which is a bit more, you know, but uh, but I, I seem to recall that being the thing. So I think it was a very, very rapid album. That's the very one, interesting. Because the one before it was Heavy Petting Zoo, which is a bit of an anomaly in that there's some very slow stuff, there's some really weird stuff. Um, and and apparently they, they laboured on it for a long time. And so the next one they made, they wanted it to be really quick. Also, I think the tone of the album is very trebly. There's not a lot of bottom yes. ends, yeah. even on the bass, like the Kids of the K-Hole, like ding, 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 right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. There's very little low end to it. And I don't know if they're making way for the kick drum or what, but so production wise, it's an interesting one. But yeah, there are songs that hit harder yeah, as a whole, but um but yeah, I'm telling Tim's on there. Punk Rock Elites that we named the podcast after. Um, yeah, uh, Monosyllabic Girl, uh, All Out of Angst, uh, Falling in Love, um, the one at the end. That's really, really great. So yeah. 
No, I think that's a great choice. I think it's um, it's arguably the closest they've come to a seminal album. I think like between this and Punk and Drublick te- tend to be the two albums that people look towards. But I actually think if you lay them down side by side, I think So Long is just a little bit more of a quintessential NoFX album. It, I think it's their sort of, for me, it's their, yeah, their quintessential fast album. Yeah. Oh, okay, one of the, yeah, yeah. One, one of the things I've seen people complain about, like on Bandcamp and stuff like that, which is where I tend to get music these days, when you sort of go to Bandcamp and you look on the people put little reviews or uh, any sort of new video they put out for anything on the last handful of albums, people have gone, oh, another slow no effects album. <laughs> Uh, I remember, you know, mind you, you can also go on the, on the, there's one, uh, upload of the full album of liberal animation and someone, and there's always someone who just goes, uh, this is the best no effects album. <laughs> yeah. You're very punk darling. We all know it's very good of you. Well done. Um, it's no, it's adorable. And again, if it's your favorite, have your favorite, but come on, let's not play best. That's just I, for nerds. I'm always like surprised at like how much people like bitch about like how much no effects fans will bitch about no effects albums because oh, yeah, yeah. they've made so many and they've mm. made so many in recent years as well but like mm. if you didn't like this one just wait 12 months there'll be another <laughs> yeah. one <laughs> yeah it's i mean it's i sure know how to pick him because I, I really love no effects i really like doctor who and the only people who hate no effects and Doctor Who more than anyone else are fans of No Effects and Doctor Who. They just can't bear <laughs> the thing they love. And um, what about uh, Star Trek fans? Well, well exactly. We're, yeah, we're I like just yeah, as bad. I, I like Star. <laughs> yeah, also, yeah, Star Wars fan. Anything, any sort of major anything. But you know, there are no. You know, the, the Lord of the Rings fans, right? As long as they've you know they've got the book, so they're like, well, that's fine. Yeah, no, we love we love all of this. And then anything that gets adapted, they're like, hmm. Um, oh, how, how did you get into Lord of the Rings? Oh, I, I watched the films like a normal person who's the, the billion people who've already seen these films. I'm just like one of them. <laughs> oh, sorry, I thought you were a fan. <laughs> this, you know, and it's they've got that, but you know, we've we've just got what what is put out. Anyway, tangents, but yeah. So yeah, that's the that's the thing is that yeah, No Effects is one of those bands that gets bitched about by their own fans more than any music critic has ever been upset about i, I find yeah. it weird because you know like, um i quite enjoyed uh first ditch attempt which is mm. one of their more recent albums I, yeah. didn't, I didn't i didn't love it but i really enjoyed it but i remember by the time i'd kind of like finished listening through that all the way through and i felt like i was really familiar with the album by the time i'd done that their next album double album was already out so i, I feel like mm people complaining about the quality it's just like just wait a little bit <laughs> yeah and there's apparently another at least two more full lengths in the pipeline that we're yeah. getting once they've stopped touring and all that kind of stuff and it and again and they're I, not short albums either like they are full length yeah. albums yeah yeah they're not they're not just throwing out an ep and going hee hee that, that's yours have you seen um uh, no effect i mean actually i don't I think it's relatively recently. Um, no effects did a, a gig in, uh, I think it's just like Fat Mike's Backyard and put it out on YouTube, like a oh, full yeah. 60 minute show. Mm. And um, I loved that for, I mean, obviously we've seen them before. They're always a little bit self-deprecating. Mm. They really go hard on that in, in, in that recording. 
Yeah. Um, I, th- I like think it's yeah I saying think... that they're like oh we invited this band they haven't turned up we invited this person from this band they didn't turn up oh yeah yeah <laughs> no yeah. one likes us anymore that's just uh, <laughs> I think that that is just the the gobshitery of it all which is funny I think it was during it was sort of in one of the the sort of eased lockdowns as well so most people are wearing yeah. masks and stuff and yeah um yeah because the bomb pops played no was it no bad cop bad cop played I think fishbone played as well um sure there was also yeah they were all sat around the pool and stuff but they did uh, that was when they did all of white trash yeah and i think um and there's some there's some bangers on white trash and there's also you know buggly eyes just tacked on at the end and it's sort of which is it's fine and it's you know it it's actually quite a well done little sort of pastiche of that kind of weird jazz thing but I think they were still leaning heavily on the uh, novelty of having Hefe in the band who played trumpet and understood how to play jazz music and um could do voices and things like that so <laughs> but uh yeah no they yeah they they they've always yeah I don't know I I but you can never tell how serious they're being when they're mucking around and and that is part of the fun like you know when um like how Mike has often said proudly, I bullied under oath so badly they left the warp tour. Because <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they were a, a creationist uh, Christian act who, uh, and he had a, uh, started just, just spending every day going throughout their set going, did you know under oath don't believe in dinosaurs? <laughs> And just like really, I think there's a there's footage of him online attending the like they had a Bible study uh, on the Warp Tour for the first time ever, and there are all these, and it's weird how young these lads are because they've got beards and stuff, but they've also all got braces, and I'm like, oh shit, they're not even twenty, like they're all of these kids, and and they're sort of and they're really down on themselves, and um and yeah, and Mike visits their um their Bible study. I mean, it is a bit of a jerk move because they're just trying to sit there and talk about their thing and like, you know, whatever do you do you do you, but he's just sort of wandering around going, hi, what's going on? Uh, I, I like bondage and Coke. What do you do? And it's like, yeah, we know, we know you do Mike. (laughs) This isn't news darling. Come on. (laughs) Okay. Well, let's move on to, uh, next question we've got. Um, so what's your favorite no effects lyric? Oh, this is a hard one. I it is hard, hard because they all immediately leave my mind. That's um, what happened to me. It is, yeah. It's a really unfair one. Um, it's super unfair. Oh, uh, I, I worked out what lyric I really enjoyed from seeing Double at the Triple Rock. Oh, yes. It, it, I just quite like the bit where they say, please don't make us leave. <laughs> I just think it's a really funny, desperate thing to say. It is, yeah, it is. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's. Um, oh gosh, um, I know for a fact it's not any of the jokey lyrics, mm-hmm. uh, even though I do like some of them and they are funny. And um, but I know it'll be one of the more serious ones. Um, it might be. I'm going to answer again. I'm going to cheat and say for today because the one that sort of sprung to mind is. Um, it's sort of a two-parter because I consider these songs to be um, original and sequel, mm-hmm. which is she's gone from White Trash and she didn't lose her baby, which I think was is that on Coaster. No, 
I forget. But um, they're two, I think they're in the same key. They're sort of both about um, sort of women who have not been helped. Mm-hmm. And they've got their similar sort of tempos and they've both got similar sort of tonal guitar solos and stuff. But yeah, they're, um, they're stuff... Um, um, it's just heartbreaking. Um, uh, is um about yeah she she about her, this woman who's uh, was on drugs and her baby was taken away. Um, uh, he didn't. Uh, she didn't scream. She had a look of resign. His eyes never looked back into hers. He went right to the nurse. One blink and he was gone. And I, it's it's heartbreaking. Even when recited monotonally like that, it's a really really effective um sort of narrative in it mm. and and i think it's i think it shows that when i think i think it's sort of too far one and it's just how good that is in general and how straight to the point and how un unflowery and sort of blunt it is as a as a description of of this horrible situation but also it means that whenever Mike has written less serious lyrics, that suggests that that was a clear decision, <laughs> um, a very specific choice, not one done because he is unable to do anything more impressive. And I, and that's sort of, or more serious or more worthy, worthy, you know. So, um, so yeah, today I think those ones, yeah, she's gone and she didn't lose her baby those two songs which i think are sort of parts one and two yeah that's a i think those are really interesting choices i think those are good choices and it's also reminded me of like uh a no effect song that i i'd forgotten about and i'd forgotten about like kind of like how powerful it is but like um because because i also like his you know more thoughtful songs um, I love my orphan year off of Coaster. Oh yeah, um, about the year that both of Fat Mike's parents died. Yeah, two thousand six. Mm. Um, and he, you know, like, isn't it amazing that you know, like, they do so many songs about I don't know uh, their different ethnicities and uh, I don't <laughs> yeah. know uh, just just silly, silly, silly things. Mm. But then they do have songs about real meaningful stuff and you know like i know my favorite song choice was the irrationality of rationality Mm. um and it's interesting that our our, we go to those like like the more serious tracks from such a silly band i think um i don't know isn't that the case with comedians though do do you know any comedians who listen to like sort of light-hearted or like comedy music really even the even (laughs) the music well (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but even then, people, you know, it's sort of, I mean, a bit of inside baseball for you here, guys. But uh, if you're friends with a lot of comedians um, on um, on Facebook, for example, you're more likely to see them going, mate, has anyone seen episode six of Narcos yet? Than, oh, mate, have you, have you seen this new comedian who's got good jokes? Because they don't, <laughs> yeah. they see that at work. We don't need, you know, people yeah. are more likely to talk about, you know, better call Saul or whatever than you know oh this new true crime documentary where you see all the bits of them that came <laughs> off and you know and and 
and the, you know because you do jokes at work and when you come home you just want to relax with a nice bit of violence you know yeah that's fair <laughs> um so maybe that's it maybe because i think you know people who you know there are some people who definitely like no effects because they are funny and maybe aren't too bothered about the more serious aspects of what it is they do and and have done so uh, but maybe those are people who don't get to you know arse around and and exercise the the humor part of their lives as frequently uh as we do so i don't know <laughs> psychoanalyze this in the psychologist's chair there but uh the next question is uh what's your favorite memory of no effects now before i ask you this uh-huh. i remembered one of my favorite no effects moments oh um, cool uh, when I saw them at Download Festival, mm. um, <laughs> one of the first things Mike said when he came out, he's like, hey, welcome to the Metal Festival. <laughs> Who the fuck booked us for a Metal Festival? <laughs> <laughs> they lo- he, uh, I've, he loves playing Metal Festivals. I know, right? <laughs> he, he absolutely adores it. There's, there's a thing, because he's, he's got a distortion pedal for his bass that's heavy as fuck. I saw a video of him. It was at some. Uh, it was in Europe somewhere. It might have been the Netherlands or maybe Scandinavia. Um, but he goes, "Hey, hey, hey! You're going to enjoy this." And he turns it on and just goes. Duh, 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 duh. He goes, "Yeah, you like that, don't you?" Just like really <laughs> scornful, <laughs> just like just so antagonistic against people who are there to watch you. But yeah, I and I, I admire that because I always like that. Um, I always like that in in sort of mostly a, a healthy disregard for the audience. Um, so, so what is your my... favourite no effects oh. moment? Gosh, um, difficult to say. Really, I think um, um, I think watching them do the decline in Madrid that was really really great. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, it was just where we were where we were in the crowd the crowd themselves watching that was really really great what do you think is the best way for a non-fan of no effects to get into the band oh tricky um well far be it from me to recommend a greatest hits album but there's with a band like No Effects, who've been going for a long time, and they've got so many different. It's, that's where I started. I think. I mean, that's that's the first album of theirs that I purchased. Like, because and it is a really good greatest hit. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. But so many different styles, sort of eras and whatnot. You can get a slice of all of it. I think from that album. Another way to do it would be to take that person you would like to make into a no effects fan and do a playlist Mm -hmm. yeah make a playlist and if you know that they like humorous songs front load it with the humorous songs if they if you know that they are more to more scar oriented front load it with the scar songs all that kind of thing because you can do that with no effects and i think that that would make for a more personal tailored way in that's how i would do it anyway okay great um what do you think uh, no effects legacy is this is an interesting question i think it, it really is um gosh um i'm going to answer this in 
several ways. I think uh, the legacy musically can be heard in so much of the pop punk that made it into like regular charts and stuff you know years later blink 182 yeah, yeah. uh some 41 uh even bowling for soup i don't know how successful they were in the us but they had a couple of sort of little radio hits in the uk and stuff you can hear where those bits of no effects shine through that coupled with the fat records aspect they sort of really did carve out a sound yeah, yeah i think you're right yeah, yeah definitely a sound that they were sort of stealing from rich kids on lsd as they would admit to so i think there's that which sort of can't really be underestimated i think from a diy perspective they have managed to be a an independent band i was about to say sort of unknown or cult but they're not really because they're they are successful by any metric. You know, they're not the most cult yeah, and yeah, like the yeah. most unknown band ever. But like to say they're mainstream is just incorrect. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. They're not mainstream in that sense. But they've had the su- more success than some mainstream bands whilst maintaining that independence through the record label and through doing it their own way, which is massively admirable. Lovely. So uh, who would you say is your favourite NoFX member? The eternal question. Uh, <laughs> um, you see, I I waver again, like with the favourite songs and all that, because there's so much to like about all of them, I think, personally. They're, they're all made up of more pros than cons. Some days I actually feel like it's smelly, like Eric Sandin. Just because, um, what a drummer to begin with. But also, I think he keeps them quite grounded in a strange way. I think that he's like, I think he represents the heart of the band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he is. I think he is in a way. But more often than not, it comes back to Melvin again. Irresist- utterly irresistible. So, yep, today I'm going to say Eric Melvin. So Eric Melvin is 2-0. and oh. <laughs> And rightly so. Absolutely <laughs> deserved. Well, thank you ever so much for the interview, Red. I felt very interviewed. You're a wonderful interviewer. And you have been a marvellous guest for this hour second episode. Um, we've got to learn a little bit about yourself and your relationship to NoFX. And uh, I feel more knowledgeable as a result. I'm sure all that knowledge is just half-remembered crap I got out of some website a million years ago. <laughs> so when we get all the uh, messages coming in going, oh, actually, you got that wrong. <laughs> then uh, that's going to be, uh, it's going to show us both up. I, I don't know. I don't think that we ever get anything wrong on this podcast. And that is why my favourite NoFX album is Dude Ranch. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Mine too. <laughs> Lovely. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Eddie. Oh, you're welcome, Red. And we'll see you all soon. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to Punk Rock Elite. It was a pick scraped and fruitcake co-production by Eddie French and Red Redmond. If you're not following us on Instagram or subscribe to the podcast, please do. The main theme and production was done by Eddie French. Please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you.